0: Hi, everybody. My name is Drew Waldron, and thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode of Niche Talks, a podcast series I started last year to have as many unique conversations as I could with artists across all mediums. Now, today is very special because my guest on the podcast is Mr. J. Webb himself. Now, art is subjective, yada, 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 all that, but I believe that he is genuinely one of the finest trumpet players in the country. Seriously, this guy's career is unbelievable. Not only does he have a quarter million followers on TikTok, Trumpet, by the way, but he has performed with some titans of the music industry, uh, such as Queen Latifah, John Legend, The Roots, Corey Wong. There's even a point in the interview where he casually remembers that one of his recordings was used for a Snoop Dogg track. Now, I saw Jay webb when he was performing on tour with Corey Wong and the Wong Notes in Boston earlier this year, and then the next day, wouldn't I know it, TikTok happens to put his page on my algorithm. I will forgive them for stealing my data, but I reached out to him for an interview he graciously accepted, and I'm glad that we finally were able to get it recorded. Now, without further delay, here is my interview with the unbelievably talented Jay webb Jay Webb, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. I think the best way to start this episode is for you to explain who you are to an audience member who may not have heard of you. Who is Jay Webb?
1: (laughs) Well, thanks for that intro.
0: Of course, it only Um, took us three takes, but I'll let that out. Hey, man, we got it.
1: (laughs) So uh, anyway, so yeah, my name is Jay Webb. I'm a trumpet player based in the New York City area. Uh, I currently live in Jersey City, which is right across the river. Um, You know, I grew up in North Jersey. And so I, I, I said I would never move back to New Jersey, but you know what, here I am, settled in New Jersey. So, so uh, yeah, you know, I'm a freelance trumpet player. Um, I do all kinds of different stuff, different genres of music and touring with an, a number of artists. Um, and that's been my career since I can remember um, before I got into college, really was one of my first my first professional experiences. I was still in high
0: school. So that's me. Wow. And I have checked out your resume. You have a sizable number of unbelievable people you've performed with some fantastic shows you've done. But uh, why don't we start at the very beginning? What was your first introduction to music? All right. So this this is going to be I'm going to try to make this is
1: as, as short as possible. Mm-hmm. Because it is a bit lengthy. So Let's get into it yeah. trumpet trumpet playing for me goes back to my great grandfather on my mom's side of the family. So my great grandfather came over from Hungary, uh, I believe the early early 1900s. Um, and then and of course, you know, moved. To, I think he he went to Ohio at first because he had family there, but then eventually settled in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, which is not far from where I live now. Um, during that time, he was commissioned by the zinc mine. Zinc mining was, was really big in New Jersey back then. And uh, they commissioned him to come up uh, in the North Jersey area. Well, Port is in North Jersey, but to come up even further north, such as Sussex County, and start um, brass bands as a form of entertainment for these, commu- these communities that were just, just starting off. Um, and so he started a number of bands in the North Jersey area. Some of them are still going to this day. Um, they've had some, you know, some incarnation of of the band, um, but it is still something. That if you look back deep enough, it's something that he started. So one of the bands was called the Franklin Hungarian Band, and that was formed in nineteen 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 twenty.
0: You're really quizzing yourself here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I had, I have photos of it, so I'm trying to picture the photo. In my head. <laughs> but I, I believe on the bass drum head is actually written, you know, organized 1920 something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did that for a very long time. He was also a printer. So basically, what he would do is he settled in these towns. He would teach uh, young men. Of course, you know, men were predominantly the members of the band back then because it was different. You know, different time. Mm um and they were young because you got to remember you know in war times if you were relying on the older adults you don't know they'd be sent off to war at some point so and actually I'll get to that in a second remind me if I forget of course so basically what he did was he taught every instrument in the band he taught and then the zinc mine gave him money for for instruments and uniforms so he went out and purchased in instruments uniforms he also ran a printing press so what he would do is obviously print the music for each band i actually still have some of um i'll show you like the original prints i have some of the original prints um from that time and it says my grandfather's name was stephen bendis so it says stephen a bendis press on the bottom so um, you know, according to history and according to my mom and and my grandparents, uh, unfortunately, my grandparents are no longer with us. But, um, he did this in numerous towns, but really, where he settled uh, was Franklin, New Jersey, where it's, this this Hungarian band was. And then what happened was, you know, these young men were sent off to war, so then that band was disbanded for a while, until he came up with an idea. Of why don't I have a boys band? So he then formed the Franklin Boys Band, which were the children of the men who went off to war, and became that became the new entertainment for that area. I believe it was called Franklin Furnace at the time. It didn't have a you know township or things like that. They called them furnaces. Um, <clears throat> so going back that far, okay. Mm-hmm. Then my parents met in in that area they're both born and raised in hamburg franklin new jersey which is in sussex county new jersey um and my dad ends up being a trumpet player (laughs) so you have my great grandfather on my mom's side coronetist actually you know at the time Mm -hmm. and a pretty darn good one from what i understand um and then my then she my mom meets my dad who's just happens to be a trumpet player
0: So you were kind of bound to be a trumpet player. So, you know,
1: I think it was in, it was, it was just in the history. I mean, or in, it was in the family that (laughs) in my bloodline that somehow either my brother and I were going to be some sort of brass players, trumpet players. And I think honestly it was because here's what happened. So fast forward a little bit, we'll skip ahead because we don't, you know, we could be here for three hours. Um, So what ended up happening was that band turned into what's now called the franklin uh, community band which is still going on today mm. my dad was in that band and my mom was the majorette in that band and that's how they met
0: <laughs> so wow.
1: so then my dad fast forward he he he's in the air force during vietnam he's stationed in alaska he gets out of the air force he goes back to franklin ends up playing in back in with the Franklin community band, and then ends up being the president for 40 plus years. <laughs> so growing up, all I knew was brass band and concert band, because I was around it all the time. My dad was was running parades, we were doing, you know, 20, 30 parades a year, all up and down New Jersey, New York, upstate New York, Firemen's convention parades they're everywhere if you don't know about them they still exist and they were a huge thing in the 60s 70s and 80s and a little bit into the 90s so i grew up in this band my my dad you know i he would be in the basement practicing Sousa marches and and his arben's book and just trying to keep his chops up while working a full-time job and i remember My first memory was when I was three years old. I remember going downstairs in the basement and just sitting next to him and looking up at him, completely mesmerized by this trumpet and the fact that he's playing three buttons and all these notes are coming out of it. And I remember grabbing a horn and just kind of making sounds, trying to imitate what he was doing. And eventually he, I remember this, he looked at, down at me and, and he was like, well, I guess I'll show you some fingerings. <laughs> so, Might as well. You know, and and I go, oh, okay. And so he wrote on some, some music. He would write in the fingerings, you know, like old school, where you have the three buttons and you color mm-hmm. the band one and two, one open. That was my very first memory of attempting to play the trumpet. So if you were to ask me, when did I start playing, my answer is always when I was three, mm. which is fun. Some people find that hard to believe because you're so small as a three year old. Yet I have photos and video of me attempting to do this at the <laughs> age of 3
0: The <laughs> yeah, armature is barely developed and you're trying
1: to, <laughs> you know, and and then um, fast forward to like, I want to say around first grade, um I got my hands on a harmonica. Mm-hmm. So my family also owned, on my dad's side, owned a candy store slash newspaper store. So you had so, a fun family, man. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 Webb's News and Records, which still exists, not in the family, but if you go up to Sussex County and go up Route 23, and find the shop right, you will see Webb's News sign is still hanging in the strip mall. Mm-hmm um so i grew my dad got into selling he was doing repairs on tvs and and stereos so we ended up was web webs news and records t-shirts and stereos
0: (laughs) so just everything
1: oh yeah like you know it was like the walmart before walmart was walmart (laughs) you know and i remember he was they were selling these harmonicas and i was so interested in these harmonicas. So I, I, I just, back in those days, man, my grandfather just didn't care. We, as kids, we just grab stuff. All right. Yeah. You're taking it fine. You <laughs> may be a tax write-off for them. I don't know how they ever dealt with it. I took this harmonica home and I messed around with it. And I remember, I guess in first grade, I st- started to figure out that I could play things by ear because I figured out how to play the fruit loops commercial on TV. <laughs> and I went, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, I, I wonder if I could do that on trumpet. And I figured it out.
0: Sure enough. <laughs> started
1: playing very early on by ear. um, All through elementary school. Most through high school. I really didn't started reading music until I was a freshman in high school when I realized. Oh, wow. I realized, oh, man, uh, I got to figure this out.
0: You That's know. crazy that you went that long without actually learning how to read music.
1: Yeah, because my ears were so good that they would just, my teachers would sing me the line and I'd go, oh, you mean like this, blah, 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 And I would <laughs> just play it. And they just found no reason to actually teach me how to read because I could pick it up faster just by them playing it or singing it to me. Wow. So I would, I would basically use music as a roadmap just to know kind of where
0: I was, but I wasn't really reading it so you said that uh you kind of had your first professional experience uh in high school so it's bizarre to me that you had your first professional experience uh maybe a year or two after you actually learned how to read music that 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 (laughs) fact alone is crazy but i'd love to hear more about that
1: yeah so i'm in high school um i'm a sophomore in high school and at this point i started you start to audition for county band and regions and things like that so my freshman year, I I I auditioned. I made county band by the skin of my teeth, because remember, there's sight reading on these auditions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I butchered it, but I still made one of the bands. Mm-hmm. I think it was like last chair or something. And I realized, wow, I, I really need to get my reading chops together. So my high school music teacher um, helped me with that and then my by my sophomore year, um, I auditioned again and I made Regions that year. But what happened my sophomore year is he introduced me to my very first private trumpet teacher, Al Musilli. Uh, and Al really, really took me to, I was kind of eye opening like, oh, all right, if I really want to do this, because now you're thinking. You know, I'm good. I can play by ear. People are telling you they're feeding you. You know all this. Inf- oh man, you sound really great. And then you start to wonder, well, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm really good at this, and it gets me attention, and and it makes me feel good. So, I really need to take it seriously. So, sophomore year of high school is when I first started taking private lessons and really getting into reading and learning about rhythms. And you know, I just remember drilling. Uh, 16th, 8th, 16th. Because it was one of those rhythms that kept tripping me up. Mm-hmm. And so I he made me play all my scales in that rhythm. And so we just kept doing things like that. And then by my senior year of high school, I made first chair in all state wind ensemble. So I went from being last chair as a freshman to the top dog in the state. And and you know it's from my sophomore year junior senior year it was all region one all state orchestra i went to the governor's school of the arts for a summer program and you you know i really started to see oh okay getting this education really learning um the ins and outs and the and the basics of trumpet playing really does pay off um so fast forward or rewind to my I was 16 no 15 years old so i was probably still a sophomore my music teacher says hey i got a gig i don't want you to be on it and i said uh okay (laughs) don't worry i wrote all the arrangements i'll go over everything with you before we get to the gig okay so he hands me a book and it's got all top 40 charts in it and I recognized some of the tunes, Amy Grant tunes back in the day, blah, 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 you know, Motown medley. And we just practiced it in the music room at high school so that when I went to the gig, I was prepared. Now, what I was not prepared for was he said, oh, by the way, the band leader thinks you're 16 years old. So just lie (laughs) and say, I'm driving you because your mom doesn't want you to drive down to Ramsey and I'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) so I get to I get to my first rehearsal at this guy's house in the basement there's all these pro musicians around me that the band leader is a drummer he he sets up the drum kit in the front of the band he's one of these guys
0: oh wow yeah that's that's, that's 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 something
1: I mean, huge ego. So I show up and I'm just like, oh man. And the first thing he says to me, so you're 16. Hi. Huh? You don't want to drive down here by yourself. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm telling you my cheeks. I could feel how red my face was. And I, yeah, yeah. My, you know, you imagine like 15 year old Jay Webb. Yeah. My mom didn't let me drive down here on my own, but it's nice to meet you. Like, oh my God. Anyway. So I did the rehearsal. I did the gig. And I did a couple of gigs with them. And it was my first I mean, it was like club date wedding band kind of thing. But it was my first gig. You know, I got I got paid. I think back then was like 150 bucks, 200 bucks to do this gig. And I got tipped $100 because I could play take me out to the Ball Game." Oh, wow. That's
0: that's so easy. (laughs) though.
1: I was like and of course now go looking back, I learned how to play by ear. I could play anything. Yeah. What you know, as long as I know it or hum it to me, I got this in the bag, man. So he like, said, <laughs> like, play it, take me out to the ball game. And he puts the money in my pocket. I take I'm so naive. I take the money out and I look at my my band director for I I go, "What is it? He's like, put it in your pocket. Put it <laughs> in your pocket, sure. Oh, okay. So that, that was my first experience on a professional level gig. At 15 years old, lying to the band leader and and just not knowing what to expect.
0: Wow, I well, I could tell that the guilt about lying about your age was really eating away at you. So I'm glad you were able to get that off your chest now. Oh <laughs>
1: man, it's all it's clear, it's clear the air right here, man. Honestly.
0: <laughs> uh so I I reached out to you because I saw you play with Corey Wong in Boston. And uh, I know that you just got off that tour, what, two weeks ago?
1: yeah about that
0: i i would love for you to tell me how your most recent tour went oh wow um yeah it, it was it was one of the most unique and incredible performances i've seen I i was genuinely blown away um i have to say
1: i've done a lot of gigs and i've played with a lot of artists mm-hmm. a lot of different artists i've played in a lot of different scenarios different genres um and i have to say that corey's gig is one of the as you said most unique situations i've ever been in artistically musically um the vibe of everyone in the band it really is something special to be a part of um and I think, I think what's different about that gig is that I think we, we all know it, we all realize that we're part of something special. We're not sometimes we're not sure exactly what it is, but we and we don't say it, we don't really verbally say it, but we look at each other. And we just nod And this is in the middle of a performance or at a rehearsal um there's just something about it and, and and we're not really sure how to put your finger on it exactly what it is. could be a number of things you know um but it really is um a blessing and an honor to be in that group of musicians and in that situation um just because you know as you know it's original music mm-hmm. it's it's funk music it's instrumental it's there's horns um and you know i don't know of that many bands putting out that amount of content and creating and writing and arranging and producing that much material uh, anywhere on the planet um and the writing of of michael nelson you know horn arranger for Prince for, I don't know how many years, 30 plus years. Sorry, Michael. I know I don't want to, I don't want to (laughs) date in there, buddy, but you know, I'll be proud of the fact that you worked with Prince for 30 years, which by the way, all those guys are, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing uh, group of human beings really. And to answer your question, how was the tour? It's, it's life-changing because every night it's so rewarding musically. You you don't know what to expect, but you kind of know what to expect because you know who you're surrounded by. But you never know night to night what someone's going to do. Uh, if I can use Kenny Holman for an example, Kenny is one of the most genius musicians I've ever met. Of course, Kenny is a tenor sax mm. um, player, longtime hornheads, heads, um, played with played on Janet Jackson records, Prince. I mean, you name it, the guys, Doc Severinsen. I mean, you know, there's another guy that's just touched every genre. I
0: think um, I know him best for uh, Fearless Flyers.
1: Yeah, Fearless <laughs> Flyers. There you go. So, you know, every, every night, Kenny, you, you look forward to what Kenny's going to do on a certain solo if he's playing soprano sax, because you know that he's going to create a scene or paint a picture or storyboard something that's just going to tug at your heartstrings, and you just wait in anticipation for it. And the same thing could be said about Sunny T or 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 KG. I mean, um, at any given moment, and any night, I, I have I have literally been brought to tears by some of the things that happen on stage, uh, by soloist moments, um, playing while playing, not playing, and and we all I think share in those moments as well. So it to say that the tour uh is is meaningful or it's it's now i'm not quite sure if there are words for it but it's really something special to be a part of
0: Um, absolutely i i think that uh a great way to put it is i believe the song is meditations which you know very long uh Great tune, just a great tune. But I think Corey put it really well uh, during your posts, post, uh, post con- uh, pre- concert press conference. Uh, he said that playing it is emotionally exhaustive, and I think that is a fantastic way of putting it because you tell, you can tell that creativity and emotion is just center stage in everything that you guys are doing. You guys are putting your entire souls. Into the performance of some of these songs and we'll get to the uh the, the posts concert press conference later because that's another <laughs> hilarious bit that i don't want to brush over but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, if, yeah if i was to put it into words i think that's what i would say I, that's that's the vibe that i get
1: yeah and i and i think that's that's kind of Corey's goal is is to create you know um kind of like a, a story for every concert where you go up and down this this it takes you on a on a on a trip of emotions and colors. And, and um, I know another one of those tunes is home. That's another tune that Mm. really, that really can pull the heartstrings. And and I, you know, get emotional about it because you know, I have a wife and, and kids and, and, you know, being on the road, a lot of times we're like, man, this is great, but we sure do miss home, you know, and, and and that that happens a lot. Um, So yeah, I would say it's, it's, you know, it's really is something special. Um and if you haven't seen us <laughs> <laughs> no, uh but yeah, it's it's really and then having having Victor Wooten on this last leg of the tour. Oh and, man. I mean amazing. And Truesdale as well. If you don't know Truesdale, my God, these these uh three female vocalists, um and a bass player and a drummer, is you know, it's rhythm section one of one of the vocalists plays Keys, Quinn uh what a great opener and i mean there's another group of human beings that just i would sneak out to the front of house to see them as much as i could at many different venues because they would create again moments that really were were quite breathtaking so between truesdale having vic on stage and Corey doing what Corey does and orchestrating what we do it, it really is. I've never been a part of anything like that, ever. You know, I've, ha- I've had, you know, emotional times on stage where I, you know, pinch myself and look around and go, man, I get to do this and this is incredible. But really nothing, nothing compares to what Corey has created and I'm very grateful for it.
0: And some of those creations are a little uh, avant-garde and funny, uh, as we talked about with the the post-concert press conference. Was that a little jarring to you uh, the first time that you did it, or did you just roll with the joke, roll with the bit? Well,
1: well, we knew we knew it was coming. He he'll give us on
0: certain things. He'll give us
1: a slight, a very slight heads up. Um, so I'm going to take a drink of water here. No, please. So we knew that it was it was going to be a thing. We weren't exactly sure what it was going to look like. But um, we knew it was coming. We didn't know it was going to be an every night thing. Um, but it really took off with our fans. And I think they started to enjoy it as much as we started to really enjoy it. And it gives the fans the ability and um you know the the opportunity to just ask us anything and ask anybody on stage anything they want within reason of course cory says keep it clean of course <laughs> um but yeah you know we it it didn't really take getting used to just because i've been with Corey since about 2018 17 18 somewhere around there oh wow <clears throat> um and so you know what to expect with Corey, and that can be a surprise at any moment. Um so you learn to just accept it and go with it. And and it's part of the bit or it's going to be a bit and whatever. And yeah, I mean it's 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 fun. It's fun to see the crowd to it's it's a moment in the show where you're at the theater or at the club and you literally you actually get to look out and make eye contact. With the audience and it's the first time for many of us that we do that because we're so involved and and focused on what we're doing on stage one because we're really enjoying it two because it's so technically um it's so technically challenging night after night that you cannot pull focus if you for one second get distracted you can be lost in a heartbeat and We try to play every show as perfect as possible because again, Corey records every show and you never know when he's going to drop a live album. So it's a lot of pressure. You've got the pressure of that, the the challenge of the parts themselves and getting distracted by the audience. So when we do the press conferences, it really gives us a chance to kind of focus and look at our audience and connect with them I think it's
0: it's fun it's a good time absolutely it's an amazing bit and uh the other bit from the show that I loved and I'm curious what your experience with it is is uh, towards the beginning of the show where Corey is complaining about how annoying it is to transport these large instruments over airplanes. So oh, yeah. you, you do a section of the concert that uh, you've dubbed carry ons only where people yeah, he, only play instruments. There it is. Uh, yeah. Too bad. This is audio. only. I That's know I'm, I'm holding up the pocket trumpet, right? <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I, I think that is a phenomenal, phenomenal portion of the show. What, what, what is your uh, carry on only experience? Like,
1: well, um, you know, it, it took some getting used to playing the pocket trumpet. I've never owned one before. Mm-hmm. I borrowed one from a good friend of mine, Vinny uh, Sleski in, um, in Nashville. Great studio trumpet player. And I might have butchered his last name. Sorry, Vinny. Love you, bro. <laughs> um, I borrowed one from him for the first leg of our national tour. And it takes some getting used to it. So there's, there's a bit of a learning curve. Um, and in the second half, I bought one um from Landris Brass uh in New York and uh now that I'm used to it it's a fun little bit in the show (laughs) uh I'm actually enjoying it and you know it first started because we had Sierra Hall on tour with us and everything had to be smaller than the mandolin that was going to be played on stage so that's where that all started at the beginning of the last tour um and it's, it's a fun little point in the show where we just kind of, you know, it's almost like an acoustic kind of vibe set, you know, unplugged version of the long notes, which, you know, and I think people really are enjoying that moment in the show. You know, we weren't sure if we were going to do it on the second leg of the tour, having Vic out there, but, you know, people asked for it. And so Corey, you know how Corey is, he'll just he see something on the Internet and people are reacting to it. He's going to be on it. So that's so it remains, and I believe—spoiler alert—I believe, spoiler alert, I believe we're bringing the carry-ons only to Europe uh, this summer. So, uh, or sorry, October.
0: Um, so there you go. Fantastic. I'm uh, <laughs> jealous that I won't be able to see that leg of the toy. I don't think I can make <laughs> it to Europe. <laughs> uh, if we could shift the conversation to a portion of your career that is is I think pretty unique, uh, your social media presence. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who might not know, you have gained a quarter million followers on TikTok. And it seems like every single day I see a video of you duetting uh, a unique creator or a unique artist and adding some flair to their original video. Uh, what has your relationship been like with, with your online audience?
1: Um, <clears throat> You know, it's crazy because I started that during the pandemic um <clears throat> I was I was dating a girl that's what
0: that's when most people got on tiktok man during yeah, the pandemic
1: you know and I, I was I was I was dating a girl at the time and and you know she kept telling me you know you gotta get on tiktok gotta get on tiktok and, and I said I'm too old for that I'm not I don't get it my kids like watch it and I don't think it's funny and so I've obviously finally you know I gave in and I created an account And I, you know, of course, I had nothing else to do. None of us had anything to do. So it was a creative outlet for me. I didn't look at it as I'm going to gain a quarter of a million followers or 50,000 followers. It was like, I it's going to treat it like Instagram and whatever, just a place to post videos. Um, And so I just started kind of creating videos. And at first doing like trumpet karaoke, I did... I did uh, La Vie en Rose because somebody requested it, I believe, or maybe I just did it. Um, and I did the Louis Armstrong version. I transcribed it and I meticulously went through and, and got all the little nuances and I posted it on TikTok. And the next morning I woke up, It had like 50,000 views. And I went, what? <laughs> and I went from 25 followers to 25,000 followers, literally overnight. And I was what in the world is going on? And then it just kept snowballing. And I would, and I, like you said, I would duet people that I, I thought creative, you know, people that that were on TikTok that no one knew who they were. They're just, you know, in their apartments playing guitar, or playing a riff, whatever, for 15 seconds. And I thought it was interesting and I would duet them. And then, you know, fast forward. Uh to now I've I've collaborated with a number of artists. Um Stacy Ryan is one of them who is absolutely blown up. Um she's now touring, and I, I believe she's she's just about to release her, her full-length EP. I was the first one I think that we, we've ever done a recording via TikTok. We virtually did a recording and I and I helped her and we released it on iTunes, and it was a cover tune, but Uh, That was very, very early on in, you know, the pandemic. Um, And then I went on to record with other numerous artists from all around the world where I, I wouldn't normally have access to or they wouldn't know me. I wouldn't know them. And most of them are young artists right out of college or some of them are still in school. And, you know, I just hear something and 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 say, well, you know, that's that's a really catchy tune or that's they have a really good voice or they're, you know, or they're playing piano and it sounds great i'm going to do it, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in uh you know messenger and you're having this conversation where they want to collaborate with you or i'm offering up hey i i'd love to play on your track for real if you really want that trumpet solo and so i did that a numerous times um with a couple people and those videos got up to the 4.2 million over a million views on my on my TikTok. And I think that really started to bring traffic into into my account. And I still to this day kind of just do it as a creative outlet. I don't I don't really expect much. Of course, you know, you could fall into that hole of, oh, my video only got 5000 views mm. and the one before that had 50,000 or whatever. And you you I can easily fall into that trap. And I'm sure there are a number of other people that get into that. and And, and you have to snap yourself out of it and remind yourself, Why did I get into this? I didn't get into it to be famous. I didn't get into it to make money. I got into it because it was a creative outlet. And what I found doing these videos is that when I fall into the trap of I want to make a video that's going to go viral. Guess what happens to it? Flops. It (laughs) flops because I'm not putting my heart into it. That's the thing. I'm not passionate about it enough. And guess what? Either the trend realizes it or people realize it or whatever. And it's not, it's not from the heart. When I do videos where I just am enjoying doing what I do, and it could be corny, other musicians and trumpet players will think, man, that guy's corny what he does. Well, as corny as may be, it brings me joy and pleasure. And I don't care what people think if I'm if I duet a Megan Trainor tune. I like Megan Trainer. I think she's talented and she brings kind of an old school pop vibe to the world of music and also involves horns. I like doing stuff like that. So I always I, when people ask me, "How did you get to have viral videos? How did you get such a following?" I don't honestly know. All I know is that I created videos that I was passionate about and that I enjoyed and that were meaningful for me and people like them that's all i can say
0: <laughs> well and uh, the the algorithm is certainly the uh, the great equalizer of uh, creative joy or just doing something for the wrong reasons uh i i wanted to ask so you said that you got into tiktok during uh the pandemic and i noticed that the booth you're in now is the booth that you shoot your videos in uh yeah. so it is is the booth something that you had pre-pandemic or was this a result of covid This was a result of covid because (laughs) I was playing for months in my
1: old apartment and my neighbors were very understanding for about three or four months. Then came a note on the door. Please stop playing your instrument after 8 p.m. So I said, well, that can't happen. So I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And I discovered Whisper Room, which is a company based in Tennessee. I reached out to them and I said, "Hey, blah blah blah, I'm this blah blah blah," um, and they worked out a deal for me. Still quite expensive, qu- quite an investment, but um, you know, life changer because I've done, you know, I don't know how many recordings I've done. I've done stuff in here for Ben Rector, um, and Snoop Dogg ended up being on the track. So you could say that in this room, I recorded with Snoop Dogg and Ben Rector.
0: Um, Andrew Waldron of course you know and
1: and and and, and, and honestly a, a a couple of podcasts um uh, with video some with not without video um so you know and and I've done a lot of paid sessions here you know remote sessions I've actually done an eight bit big band uh recording here for, oh, I love them. So for wow. Charlie Rosen during the pandemic he wanted us, you know, continue on try to do some stuff so we did it remote because we couldn't That was one of my last recording sessions before the shutdown was 8 bit in uh, bunker studio in Brooklyn. We were working on the album and that was the last session and then I didn't see those people for almost a year and a half, 2 years. Wow. So, you know, the booth um has, has has paid off. It was a good investment on my part but it was definitely caused by the pandemic.
0: <laughs> mm. You uh, you alluded to it earlier with Snoop Dogg, and I feel like uh, right now the portion of this interview might be uh, might be the brag sesh. I would love for you to go off and oh, tell boy. me about the craziest people that you've collaborated with, recorded with. Uh, feel free to go go as long as you'd like. I mean, I know I'm pro-
1: I'm most likely going to leave some people out, um,
0: just because. How could you not? You've you've had such an extensive career.
1: <laughs> um you know, I've done, I've done shows with Queen Latifah. Um, that was in 2018, I believe, at the Ravinia Center in Chicago. She's a treat to work with and to work for just very personable and um, very professional and just an absolute sweetheart. So anything you hear about Queen Latifah, uh, she's, she's really, really a, a great person. And, and um, I really enjoyed that gig it was it was a lot of fun. And Hanging out with her and the crew was was um, very special. It was cool, it was great show. Um, and I've, you know, I've done things. My gosh, um, Phil Lasseter. If you don't know Phil Lasseter, he's a great trumpet player, keyboard, uh, pianist, vocalist. <clears throat> um, runs another great funk band. Original stuff. Writes and sings a lot of it. Um, He now lives in Amsterdam, but was in the States for many years. I used to play with him a lot, collaborated, done some videos with him. Um, I mentioned before, eight big bands. So I I was on their last album. Uh, One of the tunes was nominated for a Grammy on that album and and won a Grammy for, I believe it was, uh, oh shoot, sorry, Charlie, I can't remember the name of the tune. (laughs) um but that won a grammy for one of the one of the tracks on the album and i continue to play with them and record we actually just released a new video on youtube yesterday of uh kind of an inside scoop and and tease for the next album that's coming out um that's another fun gig charlie's just an an amazing arranger and everyone in that band is just is just top-notch players and and a lot of fun um and I mean, pop artists. I've done, like I said earlier, with Ben Rector. I didn't know Snoop Dogg was going to be on the record, but he ended up being on the record, and and that's um, uh, a fun little tune. I believe it's called Sunday on Ben's latest record. Um, I've played with national, you know, world-renowned symphonies. I've I subbed with a with the National Symphony down in Washington D.C. They brought me in to play. Uh, The Nutcracker with the symphony, Jeff Tysak's arrangement, um, which was great. Really, really tough because it's only written for three trumpets and full symphony, no big band. So the lead or principal trumpet has all the lead parts and all the solos. So it's 22 minutes of face
0: melting Stuff. Uh, your chops uh, have to be unbelievable for that. Yeah. I would imagine. And,
1: and and you're playing. You know, you're not mic'd. You're playing acoustically at the Kennedy Center, so it's just like here you are. You know. <laughs> um. So I yeah. I, you know, I've supped with them, and uh, gosh, I mean, it's just I I can't even to try to go back in history of all the different artists I've played with. Um, um I'm trying to think if I left uh, anyone out. Um. I'm sure I have, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go on my website, honestly, and look at all the collabs and and albums I've done. Um, Oh, I was on a gospel record with, um, with, I just mentioned his name the other day. Um, Anthony Brown, great album called Every Jesus. That was nominated for a Grammy uh, for album of the year. And I think it won a record, like thirteen gospel music awards, and that was actually Phil Lasseter was the arranger on that album, and it it is five horns, and we recorded that live in, in a like house studio in Baltimore years ago, and it's still one of my favorite projects I've ever been a part of. If if just go check out Everyday Jesus by Anthony Brown. Oh my God, it is. You. If you oh, like I'll, the- I'll link
0: that below. I'll link that below.
1: Yeah. Oh man, what a great record. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just. You know, as I'm talking through it, the, the genres of music, you know, from symphony orchestras to pop to, you know, rock groups. I toured with the original cast of Broadway's Jersey Boys for 10 years doing a like a rock and roll review show with those four guys, um, you know, and that was the Mamas and the Papas, the Jersey Bo- or, you know, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, the Turtles, you know, all that, you know, 60s rock stuff um, did a couple albums with them, a PBS special with them. Um, so, you know, now now it's all coming back
0: to me, but, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you could go on for another 20 minutes about everything you've done. Yeah.
1: would just, you know, it comes, comes at me in waves. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the career that I've, that I've had. And, um, I also did I, I'm a project I'm very proud of and trying to get back into is is my um, my tribute to Doc Severinsen, who's knock on wood. My God, he's still on this planet. He is by far my biggest influence and uh, my idol. <clears throat> and I transcribed uh, a few of the tunes off the Tonight Show Band records and went in the studio and re-recorded them. And I, again, meticulously went through and, and play all of his solos note for note um, so much so that when I posted them on YouTube, they got flagged for copyright infringements. Oh,
0: that's the highest honor. Even though,
1: <laughs> even though it was me and my band where I stacked all four trumpet parts and I, a good friend of mine did all the bone parts. We just, you know, there was like seven of us and we just built a big band track. This was just before the pandemic started and we got it done and I got it mastered. And I was going to do this big release and I was going to shoot a video and... You know this tribute band I'm putting together, and then boom, the world you know just comes to a halt, and uh I've been meaning this year to get back into it and just start transcribing and doing some more recordings um but that's another thing that I'm really passionate about, and i uh, that's what I would my one thing that I'd really like to do is travel the world and pretend to be doc Severson <laughs> <laughs> that that's the fashion
0: project that's
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I've I've done a lot of stuff, man.
0: <laughs> in, incredible, incredible. Uh, I I might cut this next part depending uh, on your answer, if it's no. But uh, I I am currently based in Newport right now, and I just bought my tickets to the Newport Jazz Fest. Is there any chance that I'll be seeing you in August? I don't believe so. Oh. Um, you you have played it before though, right? I, we, we Corey and
1: and the Wong Notes did it two years in a row. Mm. So we did it last year and the year before. I will tell you this that we will not be doing it because we will be at the Blue Note in Honolulu, Hawaii.
0: You know, if you can't be in Newport, be in Hawaii. No, I mean, That's... come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's gonna be my first time and i've never been to the Newport oh, it, jazz festival
1: oh man it's amazing you're gonna have a good time uh, i can't it's,
0: wait it's gonna be so it, much fun
1: it's really quite quite the venue being inside the fort and just walking around it and 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 the, of course the history of it and the location i mean if you've never been to newport uh or rhode island or it's really really
0: breathtaking it's you're gonna enjoy it man yeah just, I, I i love being here i can't wait As we, uh, as we wind this down, are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience or anything that we maybe didn't touch on that you want to, you want to address? Oh man. I mean, at this point, my
1: mind is just a complete blank. I don't even. What did we talk about?
0: We we talked about some (laughs) stuff. I'll listen back and maybe, maybe we'll get some good stuff out of it.
1: Uh, no, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I look forward to, um, you know, uh, A lot of my TikTok fans are now following, you know, Corey Wong or they're coming to Corey Wong shows. So I've met a lot of not only fans, but a lot of the collaborators that I've worked with. I met Stacey Ryan actually opened for us and I believe Toronto just just by happenstance. And I was Trousdale not with you then? That was no, that was uh, last summer. So it was like Mm -hmm. we were doing all that. We did Hollywood Bowl and then we went up through Canada and did all the. We did on um, was it uh, Toronto, all, you know, all the Jazz Fest and stuff. So I got to meet a lot of the collaborators that I've that I've worked with through TikTok in person for the first time in this last you know year and a half. And um, I have to say, you know, I look forward to meeting more of the of my followers and fans on TikTok and, um, you know, I always I always try to make time to say hello, a quick hello or shoot, a, take a photo whatever. Um, because, you know, they they supported me during the pandemic. And if I hadn't had an audience, you know, I don't know that I would have continued posting videos and and um, and 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 doing that and, and using that as a, you know, uh, creative outlet. So I'm very thankful and grateful for for my fans and for them for being there, whether they know it or not. I do appreciate them. So <laughs> I hope to see more of them. Uh, on the upcoming tours, for sure.
0: beautiful, very well said. Jay Webb, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on niche talks. i I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, man.